This is episode 363 of the AWS podcast, released on April 5th, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Great to have you back. And this is a COVID-19 lockdown edition coming directly to you from my kitchen table. So, again, apologies for any uh, third-party noise. Also, for this particular update show, I'm not joined by Nikki Klein because she's in transit between locales and is without her microphone, but she'll definitely be on the next one. However, fear not, I do have two very special guests who will be on uh, later on in the podcast, but I'll, I'll hold that back for later on. So let's start with some updates. Firstly, the topic of analytics. Amazon Athena now has support for managing Athena workgroups using AWS CloudFormation. So if that's something that you like, uh, you can get that up and running with automation. And Amazon Athena now also publishes CloudWatch events for Athena query state transitions. So now you can see what's going on with your queries as part of CloudWatch events and you can take action based upon those. So very handy new capabilities. Another really new exciting one is Amazon Redshift now launches Pause and Resume. And this is very cool. If you've ever run a data warehouse, this is kind of like the dream scenario. You can now pause and resume a cluster, which means that customers can easily suspend on-demand billing while the cluster is not being used. So, for example, if you're using something for dev and test, you don't pay for it while it's used. When it's paused, you're only charged for the cluster's storage. So this gives you a huge amount of flexibility and it's something you should definitely look into. Another thing you should look into if you're a Redshift customer is support for materialized views. These are now generally available. So using materialized views, you can store the pre-computed results of queries and efficiently maintain them by incrementally processing the latest changes made to the source tables. So what this means is that subsequent queries referencing the materialized views use the pre-computed results to run much faster. And these can be created on one or more source tables using filters, projections, inner joins, aggregations, grouping functions, and other SQL constructs. So very fancy. Amazon Elasticsearch ServiceNet announces support for Elasticsearch version 7.4. So this uh, provides a whole lot of uh, uh, minor release bug fixes and enhancements. Probably the biggest thing is the distance feature query capability. This uh, query boosts scores for documents based on the proximity to a given input and a specialized query that only works on date and geo point fields as well. Lots of other updates there, but that version is now available. Moving on to the topic of application integration, AWS AppMesh now has support for end-to-end -end encryption. So the nice thing is, is this will encrypt traffic between services in your application without any application code changes. It works with ACM or with your own customer-managed certificate to negotiate TLS encrypted sessions between Envoy proxies of Mesh services. So this is really useful if you have security and compliance requirements needing all traffic to be encrypted. If you're located in uh, Mumbai or Frankfurt or use uh, the AWS regions in those areas, applications using Amazon SNS to send SMS can now be hosted in those regions. This is very important because it means you can now support that SMS communication and Amazon SNS now supports SMS, say that five times fast, in eight regions which includes North Virginia, Oregon, Frankfurt, Ireland, Tokyo, Mumbai, Singapore and Sydney regions. Now the topic of compute. Some really cool announcements here. One is an open source announcement, something called Bottle Rocket. This is a new open source Linux-based operating system purpose-built to run containers. Now, this is a public preview at the moment of a new operating system that's built for a single purpose. Basically, it provides a single step update mechanism and it only has the essential software to run containers. So with many of these types of solutions, it's what's not in there that's almost more important than what is in there. 
essentially, it allows you to have the slimmest possible deployment to make it easy to update and roll back if you make a mistake as well. It also means that things run quicker and you don't have uh, unexpected security vector issues going on as well. So have a look on the GitHub page for that particular project. We now have added the ability for AWS customers to enable their AWS local zones themselves. So this is now available in the settings section of the EC2 console, or you can use the modify availability zone group API. And once you enable this, you can manage your resources in local zones using the same approach that you would take for any other availability zone in your AWS regions today. Quick update for Amazon AppStream 2.0. It now supports EC2 G4DN instances. This is the most cost-effective and versatile GPU instance for running graphics-intensive applications on AWS. So you get the latest generation NVIDIA T4 GPUs. You get AWS custom Intel Cascade Lake CPUs. You get up to 100 gig of networking throughput and up to 1.8 terabytes of local NVMe storage. So that's a pretty beasty type of uh, capacity. And this is really useful for streaming graphics intensive applications that need things like the NVIDIA GPU libraries, uh, CUDA, etc. The Amazon Elastic Container Service ECS now supports service discovery in three additional AWS regions. So Hong Kong, Stockholm and Bahrain are added. And what ECS service discovery does is makes it easy for your containerized services to discover and connect with each other. Uh, sounds simple, but it's often very, very difficult. Now, ECS creates and maintains a registry of service names in AWS Cloud Map. So you can refer to the service by name in code and you resolve the service names using DNS queries or Cloud Map discovery API calls at runtime. So it makes the glue much more easy. Another change for Amazon ECS is supports preview updating placement strategy and constraints for your existing ECS services. Now this is in preview and this means you can update the placement strategies and constraints for your ECS services without having to recreate a service with the desired changes. This provides flexibility and control in managing the placement of service tasks and helps customers save cost and reduce your potential service downtime. So this is now available across all AWS regions that have ECS, so worth taking a look at. If you are an EKS user, the Amazon Elastic Kubernetes service, it now supports version 1.15 for all clusters. Uh, as we know, Kubernetes is a rapidly evolving platform with lots of frequent releases and bug fixes and features and all sorts of good stuff. Uh, version 1.15 has support for configuring TLS termination on NLB load balances, improved custom resource definitions, uh, node local DNS cache moves to beta, a whole bunch of other things. And we should uh, also point out that um, Basically, we support the three most recent releases. So 1.12, 1.13, 1.14 and 1.15 are all fully supported, but we are now deprecating 1.12. Um, so that will no longer be supported on May the 11th, 2020. So just make sure you keep your versions up to date. Update for Amazon EC2 Hibernation. It now lets you pause and resume your workloads on T2 instance types. So this means newly launched instances running on those instance types can be hibernated, which makes it easy for you to start right up again where you left off. Um, this is available on a raft of other instance types and now the T2 instance family is part of that. Update for AWS Batch. If you do lots of batch work, it now supports FSx for Lustre's new persistent and scratch file systems. If you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that FSx for Lustre has some new storage options. Well, AWS Batch now has compatibility with that and can take advantage of that when doing work. Often scratch space uh, or long-term storage is a big part of batch processing, particularly with thousands and thousands of instances. This makes it even easier than ever before. 
An AWS Elastic Beanstalk now has Docker on Amazon Linux 2 platform, is available now in beta. Uh, this gives you several enhancements in the compiler tool chain and the Amazon Linux 2 operating system as well. So if this is a particular deployment platform you use, something you probably want to have an investigation of. However, if you're of the serverless persuasion, the AWS Serverless Application Repository now has support for sharing applications within AWS organizations. So this means you can now privately share applications that are stored in your serverless application repository or SAR with all AWS accounts within an AWS organization using a single AWS organization ID. You can also define separate resource-based policy statements directly from the console and select the actions permitted under each statement. So this update lets you quickly share serverless applications across organizations very simply and at scale. So this makes that sharing culture much more easy. And what I'm seeing a lot of customers doing is really trying to share and reuse their serverless applications as much as possible. Moving on to the topic of customer engagement. Amazon Connect has now has phone numbers in 12 new countries. So this now supports claiming toll-free and direct inward dial phone numbers in 12 new countries in the Frankfurt and London regions. So you can now provide local telephony support in customers in Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, Estonia, Hungary, Georgia, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Romania, Slovenia and Turkey. So this gives you a more localised feel for your customers. If you're wanting to give your customers a more personalised experience, there is now the Amazon Personalised Optimizer using Amazon Pinpoint Events. And now this is a solution that enables customers to create integrations between Amazon personalized campaigns and Amazon Pinpoint projects. So you can connect them directly within the Pinpoint console and this will help you build and maintain an automated data pipeline between Pinpoint and Personalize. And essentially what this means is you get better solutions or recommendations for your customers delivered through Pinpoint. So you're kind of combining that machine learning capability with the segmentation that Amazon Pinpoint provides. Let's move on to the topic of databases. The Amazon Managed Cassandra service is now in preview in 18 AWS regions. So it's moved to a vast number of more regions. So if you're a Cassandra user, this is something to have a look at. And the team has also helped you manage access for your key spaces and tables by using AWS IAM roles and federated identities to control access to those. If you're an Amazon DynamoDB user, you can now update your DynamoDB global tables from version 2017.11.29 to the latest version with just a few clicks. No table rebuilds required, no additional cost, but you get the improved replicated write efficiencies after you update to the latest version of global tables. So if you're running an older version, I would suggest this would be the time to go update. Really interesting update for Amazon Elasticache for Redis. It now has a global data store feature. And this provides you with a fully managed, fast, reliable, and secure cross-region replication capability. So you can now write to your Elastic Cache for Redis cluster in one region and have the data available for reading two other cross-region replica clusters. So this lets you have a low latency reads and disaster recovery across regions. Now this is designed for real-time applications with a global footprint. And it really uh, typically gives you replication latency of under one second. Obviously, you need to test your application, make sure it works the appropriate way. But also what you can do is in the unlikely event of regional degradation, one of the unhealthy cross-region replica clusters can be promoted to become the primary cluster with full read-write capabilities. Now, once initiated, the promotion typically completes in less than a minute, which means your applications can remain available. And to secure cross-region data transfer traffic, Global Data Store uses encryption in transit. So again, the security is baked in for you. Very exciting. 
Amazon RDS Performance Insights now supports Amazon RDS for MySQL version 8. So if you want to understand what's going on from a performance standpoint in your application and use MySQL version 8, you will have a smile on your face. One click and you can get fully managed performance monitoring for what's going on in your environment. Amazon RDS for MySQL now supports versions 5.6.46, 5.7.28 and 8.0.17. Lots of uh, patches, updates and things there, so they're available to you now. And Amazon Aurora with Postgres compatibility now supports Amazon Aurora Global Database. So this is very exciting because this uh, previously was available for the MySQL compatible version. Now this is available for the Postgres SQL compatible version of Amazon Aurora. And Aurora Global Database is designed for applications with a global footprint. It lets you have a single Aurora database to span multiple AWS regions with as many as five secondary regions with a very fast replication to enable low latency global reads and fast disaster recovery from region-wide outages. The uh, Aurora Global Database uses storage-based replication, typically has a replica lag of less than one second, and it uses dedicated infrastructure that leaves your database fully available to serve application workloads. In the unlikely event of a regional degradation or outage, one of the secondary regions can be promoted to full read-write capabilities in less than one minute. So that's a pretty powerful capability. Moving on to the topic of machine learning, you can now reduce ML inference costs on PyTorch using the Amazon Elastic Inference capability. And what this will do is reduce the costs overall when you're using uh, PyTorch models in Amazon SageMaker, Amazon EC2 and Amazon ECS. These enhanced PyTorch libraries for EI are available automatically in SageMaker Deep Learning AMIs and Deep Learning Containers so you can deploy your PyTorch models in production with minimal code changes. Now, Elastic Inference supports TorchScript compiled models on PyTorch and so you have to make sure you convert your PyTorch models into TorchScript and then use the Elastic Inference API for inference. And this makes it uh, faster, cheaper and better because you can basically use Elastic Inference to attach just the right amount of GPU-powered acceleration to any Amazon SageMaker instance, EC2 instance, or ECS task to reduce the cost of running your deep learning inference by up to 75%. That's a big reduction. Quick update for Amazon Lex, which is the ability to write bots. Uh, you can now assign tags to Amazon Lex bots, aliases and channel associations, which means it's easy for you to categorize your resources in different ways. And as you know, where you can tag, you should. There is a new AWS deep learning AMIs that has uh, updated framework support, TensorFlow 1152. 2.1.0, PyTorch 1.4.0, MXNet 1.6.0 and Elastic Inference with PyTorch 1.3.1 as we just spoke about. Uh, this is the latest and greatest version of if you are deep up to your elbows in the technicalities of machine learning, the AWS Deep Learning AMIs are your friend because they give you access to a whole bunch of stuff. Things like Keras, Chainer, Gluon, um, all pre-installed, all ready to go. Amazon SageMaker Ground Truth now supports multi-label image and text classification and Amazon CloudWatch events. So this is something that lets you build highly accurate training data sets by using your own or third-party human labelers. Built-in workflows are provided for image and text classification, for assigning class labels to an image or a text selection. Along with the workflows, you get other computer vision and natural language processing tasks as well. Now, another change that's happened is Ground Truth will emit Amazon CloudWatch events for status changes of a labeling job. So you can set up a rule to see when a labeling job status changes to completed, failed or stopped. So you just kind of know what's going on in your environment. 
Moving on to the topic of management and governance. You can now execute chef recipes on Linux with AWS Systems Manager, which is very, very nifty. You can do this on EC2 and on-premises using Chef. So this feature enables you to combine the power of chef recipes with the control and safety benefits that you get by using Systems Manager. And basically you can execute chef recipes from cookbooks stored on GitHub or the Amazon Simple Storage Service while controlling your execution velocity and reacting to errors as well. So very nice new capability if you are of the chef persuasion. A couple of other new tagging improvements. Amazon VPC Flow Logs now has resource tagging and tag on create. So again, you can organize as appropriate. And Amazon VPC NAT Gateway also supports tag on create. A lot of services, uh, um, you want to tag as soon as you create them so they don't get sort of lost in the flow. Uh, that now supports that capability. A new update for AWS Control Tower we're now able to have customizations. So there's a new reference implementation that makes it easy for customers to apply custom templates and policies to their AWS control tower landing zone. So you can now use CloudFormation templates to deploy new resources to existing and new accounts within your organization. You could also apply custom service control policies to those accounts on top of those already provided by AWS control tower. So this allows you to completely customize your solution to meet your own organizational requirements. Update for AWS App Config, it now has integration with Amazon S3. And you can use S3 as a source to store and retrieve your application configurations. So this allows AWS customers who use S3 to store application configs to onboard seamlessly with AWS App Config by specifying the URI of the configuration stored in their S3 bucket. Prior to this, you could only store your configurations in AWS Systems Manager parameters or Systems Manager documents. This gives you another option. AWS CloudFormation Drift Detection and Resource Import is now available in seven additional AWS regions. I mentioned this, I don't mention a lot of the regional rollout stuff, but this is a capability I think is very important because CloudFormation lets you model provision your CloudFormations as code, as you know, in a very safe and predictable way. Now with Drift Detection enabled, you can detect if a configuration changes that were made to the stack outside of CloudFormation. So this is very handy when someone gets in there and tinkers with things that they should have used the CloudFormation to update. This lets you understand what's going on. Resource import lets you bring existing AWS application resource into CloudFormation. So with resource import, you can start managing existing things like Amazon S3 buckets or DynamoDB tables with all the benefits of CloudFormation, irrespective of how you created them in the first place, which is kind of important. The next topic is media services and a quick couple of updates there. AV1 encoding is now available with AWS Elemental Media Convert. So if you want to use AM Media Video 1 codec, it's available. It is an open video codec format designed for internet delivery and it was developed by the Alliance for Open Media. Key benefit of AV1 is high compression efficiency compared to AVC, H.264 and H.265 codecs and you can have SD and HD video to mobile and other devices as well. HDR to SDR tone mapping is also now available with AWS Elemental Media Convert. So this allows you to perform color space conversion. So you can create both HDR and SDR outputs from single HDR master video without having parallel mezzanine workflows. So this is a useful thing if you do this sort of production. Moving on to the topic of mobile, API Gateway now has private integrations with AWS ELB and AWS CloudMap as part of HTTP API's GA release. So we uh, recently announced the GA of HTTP APIs. This lets customers easily build high-performance RESTful APIs that offer up to 71% cost savings and 60% latency reduction compared to REST APIs available for API Gateway. Now, as part of this launch, customers can take advantage of several new features 
including the ability to route requests to private ELBs and also new support for AWS ALB and IP-based services registered in AWS CloudMap. So this gives you lots more flexibility. If you haven't looked into the new um, HTTP API offering, you should take a look because it fits a lot of use cases and gives you a lot of performance and cost reduction. Moving on to security, identity and compliance. Amazon GuardDuty has had a price reduction. So we're reducing the price of threat detection by adding an additional volume discount tier and further optimizing the CloudTrail analysis. So effective March 1, 2020, GuardDuty pricing for VPC flow log and DNS log analysis now has a new top tier discount tier of $0.15 per gig, so $0.15 cents a gig, which is a 40% reduction in the existing top tier. So this is really useful if you're generating lots and lots of events. The AWS Security Hub now has new fields and resources for the AWS Security Finding Format. Gives you uh, some additional information such as uh, the severity label and a bunch of other interesting things that will help you with making your monitoring and analysis far more efficient. Moving on to the topic of storage, Amazon S3 now has tagging support for S3 batch operation jobs. So of course you can tag uh, those. You can have up to 50 job tags applied to each S3 batch operations job. And the Amazon Data Lifecycle Manager now has support for one hour backup interval. So you can now schedule automated backups for your Amazon EBS volumes every hour, which is added to the currently supported two, three, four, six, eight, twelve, and twenty-four hours. This is a really useful capability if you want to protect your environment using backups. This is the way to go. So now we're going to move on to the final topic, which is training and certification. But for this one, I'm going to have my worthy assistants help me out. Uh, this is my daughter Lexi and my daughter Marley who are going to help me read these two. So uh, I'm just going to hand over to them, and we'll see what they can do. Hi, I'm Marley. The new AWS certification validates expertise in AWS databases. AWS certification is excited to announce the new AWS certified database. Specialty certification, it is the first certification to validate expertise in recommending, designing and maintaining the optimal AWS database solution to improve performance, reduce costs and enable innovation. You can now schedule an AWS certified database specialty exam at the testing centers worldwide for 300 USD. A practice exam is also available for 40 USD. Hi, I'm Lexi, announcing the AWS Game Tech Learning Path. We're excited to announce a new learning path that organizes all AWS training game tech courses into one place. Whether you're an architect, game developer, data engineer, or data analyst, the learning path provides structured guidance on where to begin and the next steps to game tech expertise. You'll learn which game tech workloads are supported by various AWS services and how they can be integrated into games built with Amazon Lumberyard. You'll also learn how to address challenges with hosting, managing, and scaling a multiplayer game with Amazon GameLift. Plus, you'll learn how to collect, process, analyze, and present their data to improve game design, increase efficiency of game operations, and inform financial and strategic decisions. Thank you, girls. That was awesome and nice to see that the uh, future of podcasting is bright with the younger generation. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for understanding the audio challenges. Hopefully it's come through pretty well. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.